All right. So everybody got everything? How are you guys feeling? How are we, how are we doing? We're doing okay? I'm good. Thanks, Mac. Okay. Anyone need anything? Refreshment? Bible? Pen? So um, here's the deal. Um, we're, we're starting a three-week series before Easter called The Road to the Cross. And um, the journey to the cross, the road to the cross. And we want to go and enter into the story of uh, the days leading up to when Jesus was crucified, died, buried, plot twist, rose from the dead. So we want to enter into that story. We want to enter into the journey. Um, and sometimes we have to enter into stories and journeys when, they, when they're at just like the worst point. Um, this is kind of where I'm at with my Lakers. Uh, LeBron, actually, they just they sat him, and so he's out for the next six games. So I thought this year was going to be amazing, uh, and it's not. So Lakers haven't made the playoffs since, like, 2010 or something. Um, in a similar place uh, for my Angels. Anyone a baseball fan been watching this week? So baseball season had opening day. And my Angels haven't had – they haven't won a playoff game since 2009. No, they were in the playoffs in 2014. They got swept. Um, has anyone here ever followed a team and you, you stick with it even when they're terrible? Anyone? Be a true, has anyone, this is another equally thing, equally important question. Has anyone ever just jumped on the bandwagon when that team is winning? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, these are your Golden State fans. We're right here. You're a Golden State fan? Ex-Golden State, because now it's not cool. Um, anyways, there's that sense of... I don't know, even if you're like, maybe you're on like a lacrosse team right now, or you're on, I don't know, I was talking to someone this morning who's on a swim team, and I, I've talked to a lot of you guys, and you're like, I don't know if we're going to be that great this year, I don't know if we're going we're to make it, uh, to, like, I don't know if we're going to win, but there's something about staying with that team, even when you feel like you're not going to win, because if you just jump ship, you can't really jump ship, but this is how I felt for some players that just go to a team, and then they win a World Series after they've been there for like two weeks, it's like, you weren't there the whole entire time when it was difficult, and there's something about being together when things are difficult and when they're hard, and that way when and if you ever have that victory, it's so much more meaningful, right? Um, so some of you are like, that's why I'm playing right now. I'm sticking it out even though my team is terrible, um, and I'm probably contributing to that terribleness. But maybe there would be through that sweat and that pain, there'd be a victory, and then you could have this cool bond because you stuck through it and you didn't give up. And so that's the idea of this journey to the cross, this road to the cross, is we want to enter into the story before it gets good. See, a lot of the times, we, th we know the ending of the story. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and because we know that, it's hard for us to get the shock of the fact that it actually happened. For a lot of us, we know. It's like, well, we, we know that, that Jesus rose from the dead. And so even with Jesus suffering, we're like, Jesus suffered, but he knew that he was going to raise from the dead. That would be like telling someone who's pregnant, like, you know you're going to have a baby. So all the, you know, all the suffering, all the pain, all the you know, labor, it doesn't really matter. Like, we, we, we think that because we know the ending of the story, um, then it doesn't matter the rest of it. So we want to enter into the journey, enter into the story, so we don't feel like we came, like, an hour late to a movie and you have no idea what's happening. So that's what we're going to be doing. Today we're in Matthew 26, and we're looking at the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, so you can turn to Matthew 26, and we're going to learn some things from Jesus. We are going to be, he's going to be teaching us. A few things. And so you can see your notes there. There's nothing on the screen today. We're screenless. Um, but we have our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up your phone. Um, we are in verse, uh, Matthew 26, verse 
36. Um, so if you want to, uh, to join me there, we're going to read. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So I don't have a map because I didn't get one for the screen. But this is my 3D topographical, 4D, lots of dimensions happening here. Uh, it's my, my topographical map that I got from Jerusalem. Super cool. Um, I love it because, you know, sensory experience. Um, tactile. So here's the deal. Like when you see a map of Jerusalem, it's really hard to really fully understand what's happening um, because they're all 2D. Um, which Israel, a big thing about it is there's tons of hills. Actually, the, the, the geography is very similar to the geography of here uh, and how there's hills. You know that there used to be even more hills here, and we just cut them down and put houses there. Um, and so here, they have not done that. They've just built houses on top of hills. And then they've bought those houses were destroyed in a war, and they built more houses on top of those hills. Then they built more and more and more. And that's called a tell. And it's, it's, like a, uh, it's, a, it's a formation. A tell has multiple generations of civilizations that have lived on top of each other. So boom, there's your fact. Tell. Um, so it's, it's important to have this kind of map. Um, actually, the geography is so similar in Israel as it is to here, even the weather, um, that they, where we have the Salton Sea, which for some of us, we went out to uh, Salvation Mountain this past summer. There was a team of us that went to take pictures at Salvation Mountain. Um, there's a thing called the Salton Sea, which like, you're not allowed to go in because it's super salty and also all the runoff from chemicals have gone in there. Uh, and it's a disaster. So like beachfront property there is like <laughs> just a shack that was ha inhabited 10 years ago. So that, they have a dead sea in Israel in the same location, basically, uh, as we have the Salton Sea here. So you can kind of do a cool layover of our geography and theirs. Cool. So I'm going to pass this around, but you'll see a, a, a kind of like a blue square with an, a red dot in it. And that's where Jerusalem is. And that's actually a dot that's basically on the Garden of Gethsemane, which is right next to the Mount of Olives, which is right outside of the gates of Jerusalem. So you can have fun with this. We'll pass it around. Don't destroy it, because I like it. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, so here we are. Oh, wow. We are, there's Jerusalem. You can zoom, you want to zoom in on Jerusalem more and more? And more? The old city? And, and more. Oh, there it is. There it is. So, um, this, is, this, is the, this is the temple. This is the temple mount right here. Um, actually, that's, yeah, that's the Church of Holy Sepulchre. So, Yes. So this is the garden. This is the Mount of Olives. This is where, so Jesus, uh, he weeps over Jerusalem and then kind of like walks down this hill into Jerusalem through this gate. It's crazy. Uh, I forgot what gate that is right there. Um, but there's a gate, right, when you walk down from the Mount of Olives, from the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus would have walked into, where he would rode a donkey on. Um, and they've actually, in Revelation, that's the same gate that Jesus will return and he will enter back into that gate, but not as just this weak servant, but as a triumphant king. And so um, kind of the, the, the Muslims there have actually cemented the whole gate so you can't get through. So it's all been closed off. Part of it's probably because they don't want tourists to come make like a, a shop there. But the other part is um, it's a cool statement of, man, we don't, we don't want Jesus to come back or we're kind of afraid of, of this. It's really cool. There's a sermon there. All right. Um, so we're back in the garden. Uh, he said to his disciples, sit here while I go there and pray. They had just had Passover. So the disciples... I don't know about you, but after you have Chipotle, right, you're just ready for a nap. Uh, you, you go to Cafe Rio, and you won't get any work done the rest of the day. Um, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of, of Zebedee. So Jesus has these three, uh, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, so these, these three that he's very close with. If you look at the life of Jesus, he has the three, 
He has the 12. He also has like a, a, an extension, which is like the 40 people that follow him. So even as you think about your own community and how you can share and go deep with people, um, that's an interesting thing from the life of Jesus. He had three people that were kind of the core, inner um, people that he was able to, hey, pray with me, be here with me. He also had the 12. Um, I always say if you have 12 people in your small group and one of them wants to kill you, you're doing good because that's what Jesus had. Um, so Judas betrayed Jesus. That's next week. Okay. Um, Sorry, verse 37, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Listen to this, verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And that's the first thing that we see modeled here in the garden is that Jesus shows us it's okay not to be okay. Write that down. It's okay not to be okay. So Jesus tells his best friends, he tells them, my soul is sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. He's sorrowful and he's troubled. The inside of Jesus' spirit is turning. Um, and if some of you were at the worship night where I spoke on this, you've heard this, but I, I, for a lot of us, I just want you to get this. Because I think for a lot of people, we think that what it means to be a Christian is that we always have to be on cloud nine, things are great, um, and I'm a 10 out of 10. But what Jesus shows us is it's okay to have stuff that's going on. It's okay to feel emotions. So Jesus, he, he feels an array of emotions in the garden. He's, he's kind of, he's in distress. He's actually sweating blood in that moment. Um, and he's feeling what it means to be human because Jesus is fully human. But he's fully God. Yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully human. And so he fully experiences all of the emotions of what it means to be human. And so he tells his friends. And so it's okay not to be okay. And he tells his father, he tells his father, this is what's going on. And so I hope that part of your prayer life is telling God, hey, God, this sucks. God, I don't think you exist. God, I'm really frustrated with you. God, I really like that girl. God, I really want to be single. God, I really want to be out of this relationship. Like, I, I wish that we could have as part of our prayer life just honesty before God. Um, so it's okay not to be okay. Let's keep going. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What is the cup? Okay, crucifixion. Yeah, so something's about to happen. So uh, a lot of us, th that's totally part of it. The, he's about to experience the worst execution. Romans were really good at killing people, but not killing them right away. This wasn't like a guillotine thing. Okay, they wanted you to suffer. Even the way that the cross is designed, if you've seen a cross, um, so they, they would nail you at your wrists and they would nail you at your feet, but there's like a little piece of wood right beneath your feet. And that way you could push up a little bit to breathe. And so how you die on a cross is death through asphyxi asphyxiation. So that's why when they stab Jesus with a spear, there's blood and water that comes out. Because, like, medically, that's, like, the, the result of someone who's died by asphyxiation. So he knows this is going to happen. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be beat. He's going to be humiliated. A lot of us think that they drag Jesus, like, I don't know, out into, like, this, I don't know, like a mountain far away and killed him there. Like, this was, like, in the middle of the city where this happens. So people can go by and literally spit on him. 
And, and so they do this, and they do this with criminals. So they want, to make, they want it to last as, as long as, as possible and be as excruciating as possible. Jesus knows this. So a lot of us, when we think of the story and when we go into Holy Week, we hear a lot about this kind of stuff. Have you guys heard about how much Jesus suffered and you've kind of watched? Anyone watch Passion of the Christ? Okay, so it's an intense rated R movie about the death of Jesus. Uh, you can watch it. It's a crazy experience. Um, but I want to suggest something. Um, that he's not just thinking about the physical pain he's about to experience, but the, the cup in Hebrew actually refers to the wrath of God. So in the, bless you, in the Old Testament, um, <laughs> the enemies of God would drink the cup of God and they would become inebriated and they would die from the poison. So the, wrath, the cup of, is the wrath. And there, there's, um, this is a book that we read on our mission trip called Radical by David Platt. And he describes it really well. So listen up because I, I really love this. This is what Jesus is recoiling from in the garden. All God's holy wrath and hatred towards sin and sinners, stored up since the beginning of the world, is about to be poured out on him. And he's sweating blood at the thought of it. What happened at the cross was not primarily about nails being thrust into Jesus' hands and feet, but about the wrath due to your sin and my sin being thrust upon his soul. In that holy moment, all the righteous wrath and justice of God do us came rushing down like a torrent on Christ himself. Some say God looked down, could not even bear to see the suffering that the, that the soldiers were inflicting on Jesus, so he turned away. God turned away because he could not bear to see your sin and my sin on his son. This last part's really good. One preacher described it as if you and I were standing a short hundred yards away from a dam of water 10,000 miles high and 10,000 miles wide. So picture that, 10,000 miles high, 10,000 miles wide. And all of a sudden that dam was breached and a torrential flood of water came crashing towards us right before it reached our feet, because that's what we deserved. Right before it reached our feet, the ground in front of us opened up and swallowed it whole. At the cross, Christ drank the full cup of the wrath of God, and when he had drowned, drank the last drop, he turned the cup over and on the cross cried out, it is finished. That, that's what Jesus is thinking about. Yeah, there's a physical part of, of the crucifixion, sure, absolutely. That's going to be crazy hard. But he's anticipating the full wages of sin and death and our crud that we deserve being poured out on him. This is what's happening when he says, if, um, if it's possible, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So um, Jesus shows us a way to pray in this passage. Um, so first he shows us it's, it's okay not to be okay. But the second thing is, he shows us that prayer is a battle. He shows us that prayer is a battle. So he, Jesus has this desire. He's like, this is crazy. Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. I don't know if you know this. There's like, some of us have like, we have a desire, and then there's a di desire beneath the desire. Like, some of you might have a desire to be, I don't know, um, the best. Give me, give me something. Water polo player, boom. Okay, you want to be the best water polo player, and that's your deepest desire, but also there are donuts, and there's a donut shop right next to your house, and you love donuts, right? And, and you can see maybe eating donuts before a game is going to impact that. So you might have a desire that's really strong, but your deepest desire is to be an incredible water polo player. Your strongest desire and your deepest desire are not the same. 
So in this moment, Jesus has this desire. Yeah, if there's any other way, I don't want to experience this, but his deepest desire is to do the will of the Father. So he says, but not my, my will, but yours be done. And so the first prayer that he prays is, um, some scholars call it the prayer of realization. So you can write that down, the prayer of realization. And that's the point where Jesus is imagining everything that's going to come at him. The pain, the sorrow, the separation, and he's realizing the weight of it. There's one thing to know that a bad thing is coming, but then there's another thing to, to, right when the bad thing gets here. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that in your life where something bad gets there and it's hard to believe at first. Or a friendship just gets destroyed, or a breakup happens, or someone stabs you in the back, and it's hard to take in at first. And I kind of imagine that being what Jesus prays in this first prayer, is this prayer of realization, this prayer where he's actually understanding what's before him. And so he, he prays, um, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He continues on. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may enter, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This was Peter who had said, I'm never going to deny you. He said that at Passover. I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I'm not going to do it. Anybody else, I'm going to stay there. And what does Peter do? He's, he's going to deny him three times. Um, and so he came to the disciples, found them sleeping. Verse 42, again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Um, and so some scholars call this, um, hold on, let me find my notes here, the prayer of release. So you might have that moment where you experience something crazy in your life and there's this realization but then the second time that Jesus prays, it's this prayer of surrender. You know what? If this cup can't pass for me, you know, but not my will. So he realizes this is going to happen, and the second prayer is his prayer of release. But your will be done. And then he's about to go into a third prayer. And I don't know if anyone's ever asked you like, to come over and hang out, but sometimes you're like, no, 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 it's okay. And then they're like, no, 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 I really want you to come over. And then they're like, you might be like, no, it's fine, you don't, I don't want to impose. And the third time, if they ask you again, no, I really will, I really want you to come over and play Super Smash Brothers, right? The third time, the third time, they'll say yes, because they know that you mean it. So Jesus goes and he prays a third time. And he prays the same exact prayer. Um, he prays, my father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. The third prayer is the prayer of resolve. The prayer of resolve. It's the prayer of boldness, saying, if this cup can't pass for me, but if not, your will be done. The first prayer is a question, thy will be done. Second prayer is kind of a statement, thy will be done. The third, with resolution and boldness, thy will be done. And a lot of us, this is what we get to experience when we come to prayer, that Jesus models this. That maybe at first it's hard to realize the crazy stuff that's happening in our life, and then we come to realize it, and then we come to surrender. But if you come to a point in your prayer life where you can say, your will be done, regardless of what happens, regardless of what I feel, your will be done. So Jesus comes, and he models um, that prayer. Um, the last thing we learn in the garden, last thing, is we need to stay awake. And so hit your neighbor right now and tell them, stay awake. Um, so, and, 
So his disciples, they keep falling asleep. And Jesus is so kind to his disciples. Um, but this is what I want for you during this season, is that you would stay awake. You know, I, I've slept through a lot of things in my life uh, on accident because I've snoozed things. And I, one time I missed leading worship at Westmont. Like, I was supposed to be the main worship leader, and I slept through a chapel and, like, really awkward situation. Of, I'm so sorry that you didn't have worship with, like, you know, 3,000 people. Um, I've slept through a lot of things. Um, but what I don't want you guys to sleep through are spiritual things. During this season, I don't want you to get distracted by things that are super easily distractible. Um, but I want you actually to stay awake, to stay awake. And so I want you to do that by fully entering in, um, by praying, um, and by doing this model of Jesus. So here's the challenge. Here's how you're going to stay awake during the season. Okay? I'm going to encourage you to pray three times a day. You might think, that sounds really Muslim. Actually, (laughs) if you thought that, you might know world religions a lot. Um, actually, um, that, was a very, that was a Christian thing to do. If you go read Daniel, if you read the Old Testament, Christians did that. Actually, Muslims uh, took that. I'm not going to say they stole it, but they took it because um, it's awesome. Um, it's, some people call it fixed hour prayer. Some people call it different things. But my encouragement is that you pray three times a day, that you'd pray in the morning, noon, and night, that these three prayers could model the three prayers that Jesus prayed in the garden, that you wouldn't be like the disciples who fell asleep, but you'd stay awake. Um, and so he, here's, here's some specifics. Um, do not look at your phone in the morning until you pray and read the Bible. Okay, so you can write down, no phones before scripture such prayer. Okay, this is my encouragement to you. A lot of us, we just lay in our bed looking at our phone. Make it a discipline for the next three weeks. Do not look at your phone. Do not scroll on Instagram before you read scripture and pray. Is this? You pray seven times a day. Okay. And that's awesome. Great job, Is this? All right, hold on. And you, you probably did that because, you, like, your parents like modeled that for you, right? And they told you, cool, awesome. So, um, first thing, no phones before scripture has prayer. Second thing, take a posture of kneeling. Okay? So everyone, you can write that down, kneeling. Why do you kneel? It's uncomfortable. That is the point. It is uncomfortable. Um, kneeling is a posture of, um, of reverence and humility. The whole world and your heart are trying to tell you that you are the best and you are the center of existence. Kneeling says God is. Um, so, um, we're actually going to practice this in a second, but we won't do it now. So, if you've never kneeled, um, my encouragement, you wake up in the morning, you get out of your bed, all, all the leaders, we're going to be doing this for three weeks. We're going to, just next to your bed, you're going to kneel, and you're going to pray. If you have your Bible there, you can open it, you can read something. Um, you're going to do that at morning. I even wrote prayers for you. Look, morning prayer, noon prayer, night prayer. Um, cool. So you're going to do that. So no phones before scripture, scripture slash prayer. Take a posture of kneeling. And there are your prayers for morning, noon, and night. If you're at school and you're like, I'm not going to kneel because people are going to stare. Well, here's what you could do. Just like, you could, uh, there's a few things. You could just like do this with your hands. 
I mean, you could be sitting at a table. You don't need to just be like, <laughs> you know. Um, but you're sitting at a table, and you know, uh, and you could just you could just pray, uh, memorize these prayers, do that, or find a window, go towards a window, and just kind of stand next to the window, and then pray. I don't know, just something to get your body. When when we do things with our body, it actually affects our spirit. Um, when we do things with, um, that, that's why when we lift our hands during worship, when we kneel, when we do this, when we pray, it's not because it's super religious or anything, but doing this helps get my heart to a this. Um, so that's my encouragement that you do those things. Uh, do we have questions about what we're doing? This is a challenge for you to do every day, three weeks before Easter, so you could enter more fully into the story, so you could be awake. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to miss a chapel, and, or it's one thing to miss, like, first period. But what if you were to miss, like, your purpose? What if you were to miss what God wanted to teach you in this season? Because this could be the most spiritual growth that you experience could happen in the next three weeks if you do this. And I know most of you won't. But if you do, um, it'll, it'll be amazing. And the last thing I want to end on is this. Jesus defeated the battle in the garden where we had lost the battle in the garden. Right? In Genesis 3, we sin, we turn our back from God in a garden. And in this moment, Jesus, boom, in this moment, um, Jesus has ultimate victory. Uh, he wins when we didn't. So um, that's my encouragement. So we don't, do, we don't pray, we don't do these things in order to get God's love, but we actually do them because he's the one who defeated, he's the one who conquered it, he's the one who didn't give in in the garden, and because of that, he models for us what prayer could look like. So here's the deal. We got 10 minutes. And so I want you to go outside wherever you want, and I want you to find a space for you to kneel and to say these prayers and to spend 10 minutes um, praying. Sound good? All right, ready? Also, we are not going to join back together at the end, so uh, we love you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday for well. Um, meet up with a counselor if you want to talk to them. If you need prayer, we'll be sticking around after. Find a place. No one is going to be watching you because no one's watching you this week. All right, go for it. <laughs>